Well, good morning and welcome to church, wherever you are, whether you're in Fort Erie, whether you're one of our campuses in Buffalo, whether you're online, around the world, whatever year it is, wherever you find yourself, I just want to say a huge welcome. We are so excited for you. We're so excited for what God is doing in each and every one of our lives. We know that God is on the scene. God is doing miraculous things, and God is using this time to change us and transform us. So maybe you thought you were just coming to church this morning. Maybe you thought it was just going to be another regular day. Um, but I believe that the word that the Lord has for us this morning uh, is truly uh, inspired by the Lord to change us and challenge us. Um, so let's get started. I actually wanted to start today's message off with a question. And and the question is, you know, you ever wondered why, you know, you, you want to change things. You know, you try and try and try some more and you focus on it and you really want to change, but you just don't. Never felt frustrated by that? You ever feel like, you know, this thing that you're so desperately trying to change is the very thing that's keeping you from the blessing of God, that's keeping you from, you know, the things that he's spoken to you about, frustrated, feeling like, you know, if I could just change this one thing, I wouldn't be stuck in the same place anymore. And this morning, I want to take some time and talk through a very powerful truth that we find in Scripture. And, and we're going to get into reading the scripture, but I wanted to set the tone uh, for this message as we talk about changing our mindset in order to change our life. Now, I wanted to make sure that we know this isn't going to be, you know, the typical change your mindset message. We're going to get into some really, really practical things that we can do to begin to change our mind so that we can begin to change our life. And here's the truth. I mean, I'm 36 years old. And I mean, at this point already, I have lived long enough to recognize that, you know, the later on and the older that you get in life, you start to recognize this one pattern as some of us now at this month, we're, you know, getting ready to start to put together our New Year's resolutions. But one of the things that I've recognized is that you know, the older you get, it seems like New Year's resolutions, the older you get, the, the more similar that they get year to year. You know, when you're young and you, you have these New Year's, resolution, New Year's resolutions and, you know, I'm going to train hard to make this team and it happens. And, but it seems like the older you get, you know, this year is the same as last year. And it's the same as the year before. And maybe for some of us, we've been making the same New Year's resolutions year after year. And here's the thing, is that we try really hard. Honestly, the majority of us are still in a place where we even succeed. You know, we succeed for a few days. We succeed for a few weeks. You know, it's like you see in gyms, you know, my recommendation for anyone who's starting to work out is, you know, go about the second week of February and your gym experience is going to be significantly less crowded. Why? Because we succeed, but then inevitably we end up falling back into those old things that we so desperately try to change. And I mean, statistically, we see this mirrored exactly in that 80% of people fail on their New Year's resolutions by the second week 
of February. The second week of February, I mean six weeks in, 80% of people fail at their New Year's resolutions. Now, here's the thing. Maybe your resolutions, you know, you want to stop some old things. Maybe you want to start some new things. You know, you want to stop overeating. You know, you're like, I'm going to get in shape this year. Maybe you're saying, I'm going to stop smoking. You know, I'm going to, you know, really push myself and deal with my addiction to porn. I'm just going to stop watching porn, you know, only to find ourselves, the majority of us, falling right back into those things. Or maybe you're like, I'm going to start something new. I'm going to start reading my Bible every single morning. You know, I'm going to start to pray. I'm going to start to seek the Lord every single day. I'm going to maybe start working out. Maybe it's been a resolution for you. And you're like, I'm going to start working out this year. I'm going to get in shape. Only to find that 80% of people drift away by the second week of February. Maybe it's that you want to get better with money and, you know, you want to, figure out how to do a budget in your life and you know you budget and budget and life is challenging and then you just kind of get tired of trying and instead of budgeting you go shopping and you blow everything 80% of people fail as they try to achieve their new year's resolution now here's the thing that I've come to discover about myself and I'm assuming it's the same about the majority of you out there is that we, we want what's right, right? We want what's good. We want to be healthy. We, 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 we want to spend time with the Lord. We want to have good relationships with our children, with our spouses. But here's the thing that I've noticed. I don't know about you, is that I've also noticed that I want what's wrong. You know, I want what's bad. You know, I, I really want to be in shape but come 9.30 every night, I really, really, really want those cookies that are in my pantry. And I want what's right, but I'm conflicted because I also want what's wrong. And I think this is where our challenge starts, is understanding that. The title of my message this morning is, A Time to Change. A Time to Change. And, and this message, I wrote this message for people who are honestly trying, where you've come to the place in life and you're saying, you know what, I, I am ready to change. I don't want to be doing my same New Year's resolutions year after year. I'm ready to change. And, and this is the truth that we're going to establish this morning in this message. And it says this, with God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. Come on, nudge that person beside you and say to them, with God's help, I will choose what I want most over what I want now. We're choosing what we want most over what we want now. So Heavenly Father, this morning, as we come before you, as we dig into your word to understand your principles on how do we begin to change, how do we start new things? How do we stop old things? We ask this morning for your grace to, one, be able to see ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, to find ourselves in this journey as we talk through the life of the Apostle Paul, to establish where we are and who we are, but also as we talk about putting on a new identity. We ask this morning for open ears and open heart to receive those truths. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 
I, I want to spend the, the majority of our time today in a passage of Scripture, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. And, you know, the, this, the Scripture I've carried with me for a long time, uh, verse 27, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, uh, when I did my year of internship in the, the gym, the, the fitness center, written on the wall in these giant letters was this Scripture. Uh, that we're going to talk about today. So, so I've carried this, I've studied this, uh, and I've used it to uh, really help me to change and transform things in my life. So let's read what the Apostle Paul has to say. He says this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? He says this, So run to win. Right? He's not talking about, you know, just come in and run. He's not talking about participation medals or ribbons. You know, he's not talking about, you know, do it to the best that you can. He's saying this. He says, run to win. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. It says this in verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. This is that scripture that was plastered on the wall for me in my fitness area. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, here's the thing is that as we talk about this scripture, Paul is using this analogy of an athlete and Paul's audience that he's preaching to at this point clearly understands this competitive metaphor. They understand, right? Paul is writing to the Corinthians and Corinth is a city in Greece. And, and just like we had earlier this year, uh, every four years, Greece hosts the Olympic Games. So they are familiar when they talk about disciplining themselves like an athlete. He's talking to a grouping of people who really understands what an athlete looks like when they are in training. And beyond this, beyond this kind of large scale all across Greece uh, Olympic Games, Corinth especially was such a competitive area that he, it also ran local competitions called the Isthmian Games, okay, the Isthmian Games. Now, the Olympic Games had a particular set of events. The Isthmian Games, right, they had things like chariot races. They had things like boxing competitions, wrestling. So they were significantly more aggressive. It wasn't so much track and field. But they also had, and get this, poetry contests. Okay, so we're talking about these people are essentially competitive in everything that they do. Whatever they do, this grouping of people, the Corinthians, they do it, right? I'm not necessarily sure how you train like an athlete for poetry contests, but everything that they did, they disciplined themselves to such an intense degree that whatever they were doing, they treated it as though they were athletes training for an event. And this is why we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24, 
Paul is speaking to a grouping of people who really understands this concept. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So he says this. This is Paul's instruction to us, okay? Not make sure everybody crosses the finish line, you know? Not, you know, whatever. Just see how it goes today. Paul says it like this. Run to win. Run to win. In fact, let me ask you that question this morning. How many of you just like to win, right? How many of you, like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, you just need to win. And honestly, can I tell you, one of the things that I think that, um, that the, the, the church has uh, almost turned into a negative is this element of competition, that somehow being competitive isn't Christian. But we see Paul, I mean, you pretty much can't get any more competitive than telling people to don't just run, run to win. In fact, you know, my daughter Lola, she is, I mean, she's three years old, but she's already obsessed with winning. Like, it doesn't matter what she does. It could be like from walking to, from the, the living room into the kitchen, you know, she says, you know, I win. And it's like, <laughs> nobody knew we were in a race. But the thing is, is that there is an innate thing in us as believers, not just to run, but to run to win. And here's the truth is that when we look in scripture, we realize that competition, this drive, this training is a part of who we are. I mean, when we look in scripture, we see that, that we are in a spiritual battle. We see that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not just a King, not just a Lord, but the, the highest King, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Scripture tells us that we are more than conquerors. It tells us that we are victorious in Christ. And so this is why Paul says to us, he doesn't just say run to finish. He doesn't just say run to place. No, Paul looks at this grouping of people and he says, if you're going to run, run to win. In fact, we're going to take a look at two theologians who also had this opinion towards if you're going to run, run to win. The first theologian that we're going to look at, you know, his name is Ricky Bobby from the Talladega Nights, and Ricky Bobby says it like this, if you ain't first, you last. Thank you, Ricky, for that. The other one that we're going to look at is the Greek Stoic philosopher. His name is Epictetus, and Epictetus says this, as he talks about and, and, and lays out for us what life was like for them. He says this, if you withdraw without sufficient reason, you'll be whipped. Okay, so here's the thing. If you're an athlete and you sign up and say, I'm, I'm going to compete in this event. It was customary in the times that says that, you know, if you withdraw without a sufficient reason, you can't just be like, well, you know, I, I, I said I was going to do it, but I, I just decided that I'm not going to do it. Epictetus says, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be whipped. And he says this, that what's worse about this whipping is, is that this whipping comes after your training. And your training involves thirst, boiling heat, and, and this is what, this is truthful. This is a Greek philosopher talk, excuse me, talking about this. He says, thirst, boiling heat, and swallowing handfuls 
of sand. I'm not necessarily sure. Maybe that was the poets as they were like getting their tongues ready. You know, they would eat sand. I'm not sure. But, but we realize this is that, that Paul in the times and, 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 and listening to these Greek philosophers, we realize that, that there was an understanding that if we're going to do something, if we're going to go after something, don't just, you know, try to do it. No, Paul says, run to win. And here's the truth of what I've come to and I've realized in life. And I would say this to each and every one of us this morning is don't rationalize away the joy of honoring God with our best. Don't rationalize away giving to God the very best of who you are. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, listen, if you're going to run, if you're going to determine that you're going to have a relationship with the Lord, if you're going to determine that you're going to be a great dad, what Paul says is don't just run, run to win. I mean, we see this concept in the Garden of Eden constantly, right? And in the garden, or sorry, in scripture, constantly in the garden of Eden, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And, you know, he doesn't just say, you know, kick back and relax, enjoy the fruit trees. No, what is immediately Adam and Eve get in the garden and God says, what? Be fruitful and multiply. And he tells them to fill the earth and to subdue the earth, to conquer the earth. We look at the talents and, and we see again that the, 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 the parable of the talents where, you know, the men who multiplied the talents, God says that these are the ones, the men who did something, the very best with what they had. God said, well done, good and faithful servant. And the other man who did nothing just buried his talent. God doesn't just call him lazy but he calls them wicked, right? In this parable, you know, as we paraphrase it, we realize that, that essentially what God does is he, he takes the talents from the loser and he gives them to the winner. How about we talk about Jesus when he's giving his final commission to the disciples? He doesn't say to his disciples, you know, go into all the world and, you know, sleep in. You know, take it easy. It doesn't say go into all the world and be mediocre. Don't go into the world and just try to get as many participation medals as you can. He says, go into the world. What? Give your very best to the Lord. Why? Don't rationalize away the joy of honoring God with your best. And this is what Paul is saying. Like Jesus. Paul says, run to win. If you're going to run, don't just make a New Year's resolution. Don't just, you know, see how it goes. Paul says, if you're going to run, run to win. Which I guess that brings up the question, and really the question that spawned this message for me. And the question is this. If it's a biblical principle that we are called to win, which you can extrapolate and we're not going to get there, which would say that we are anointed to win, we're called to win, we've been chosen to win. The question is very simple. Why aren't we winning? Why are we achieving the goals that we set out to accomplish? Why 
Do so many of us go through life year after year feeling like we're making no progress? Why do we try so hard? Why do we try to move forward? Why do we try to make these New Year's resolutions, but we don't see any progress? And, and I believe that the answer is, is that you've been trying for way too long. You've been trying way too long. And here's the thing that, you know, in the most important areas of our life, most Christians, you know, the things that we aspire to be, the, the things that we aspire to have, most Christians really prescribe to a theology of trying. Right? And here's the truth is that we read something in the Bible and we know it's important and we care about God and we care about obeying his word. And so because we care, we, we try. We, we're, we're, we're trying to change. We're trying to read. We're trying to be better people. You know, we're trying to quit smoking. We're trying to start praying. We're trying to stop swearing. We're trying so hard to be loving. We're trying to stop worrying. We're trying maybe to get in better shape. We're trying to budget and we're trying to stop lusting and we're trying to be better parents and we're trying to quit, to quit gossiping. But, but can I tell you, here's your problem is that you've been trying for too long. And here's what I'm going to suggest to us this morning. I'm going to suggest to us a change of strategy, a change of strategy. And that is that we stop trying and start training. Now, this isn't just hyperbole. This isn't just to play on words. But I've realized something as I've walked through my life, as I've walked through my Christianity, is that trying never achieves consistent results, but training always does. You can try and do something and you'll fall into the 80-20. 20% of people go beyond six weeks, 80% of people fail. So trying really doesn't guarantee for us any kind of results, but training does. So let's talk about the difference between trying and training. Because here's the thing that we all know about trying, right? Trying is an attempt to change with minimal commitment, right? Like trying is, you know, typically we say that we're trying to do something, but really what it means is that we're kind of half-heartedly attempting to do something. You know, I'm going to try to read my Bible. I'm going to try to be nice. You know, maybe for some of us it's that, you know, come January the 1st, I'm going to try to not order any dessert. But I've realized something is, is that trying when I try something, because it's kind of this half-hearted attempt that, you know, I've kind of done this before and it didn't turn out so well, so I'm not really going to throw all my eggs in all these baskets, is that trying gives us plenty of room to fail. In fact, actually, let me take it a step farther than that, is I would say that when we say we're trying, it actually implies that we are expecting to fail. It's kind of just like this wish that we sort of just like throw out there. Why? Because it's an attempt to change with minimal 
commitment. But you see, this isn't what training is. Training isn't half-hearted, it's not minimal. Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. Now here's the difference, right? We all know the difference. We all, we all know the difference between trying and training, right? Because, you know, when you're trying, you're sort of just, you know, showing up and hoping that somehow this thing kind of changes. You know, you sort of are just, you know, kind of just, you know, well, if it could sort of just, uh, you know, but how many of you know that's not what training is, right? I mean, like training is like, you ever see somebody who's in intense training, like they have a game plan, right? They got their game face on. They got a strategy. They got their days laid out, their hours laid out. They know exactly what they're going to do, right? They're determined that, that they're going to fight for this regardless of how it feels, right? This is like eye of the tiger, right? This is like Rocky one, two, three, and four. This is like, we're not coming to play. I've seen what's out there. I've seen the opposition and I am coming to win. I'm not trying. No, no, no. I'm training. And, and, and when I see that, there's, there's this understanding of intentionality. There's this understanding of this is an intense focus that I have a vision for what this is going to look like in the end. Why? Because here's the thing. When you're trying, you give up when it gets hard, don't we? Like if I'm just trying to do something, you know, I show up when I feel like doing it. But as soon as I don't feel like it, I mean, that thing is just old news for me. But here's the thing, when I'm training, I'm not acting according to my feelings. No, no, when I'm training, I am acting every day, every moment, every hour. I'm training and I'm acting according to this commitment that I have made. I mean, I would argue that when I'm in training, I'm expecting it to be challenging. In fact, if you're to talk to somebody in a workout room, it's that when it's hard, it's actually a sign of success. Like you never heard somebody who's training for something and they're like, well, that was a great session. And they say that because it was easy. No, they say it was a good session and that implies that it was hard. It took them to the next level. It pushed them past what they thought was possible. I'm not trying, I'm training. This is not a half-hearted attempt. No, 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 I'm giving God the very best that I can give him. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 in the NIV, if you look in a different translation, it says this is that anyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now remember, yes, Paul is talking in a city where there is, you know, athletic games happening. But Paul is not just talking to us about athletic games. It's not just talking to those who are athletes and who will compete in some sort of sporting event. Paul's talking to us. He's giving us instructions on how do we live successful lives. And he says this, anyone who competes goes into strict training. 
In fact, that word strict training, if you go back into the original language, it's this word agonazomai. And it literally means to contend for victory. It means this, to strain every nerve towards the goal. It means that I'm taking every bit of power, every ounce of everything that I have, and I'm straining it towards this goal. This isn't some half-hearted attempt. This isn't some, you know, I'm in some days and out others. No, this is every moment of my life. I'm giving the very best that I have because I'm running to win. And here's the thing. This is what it was like in the culture that they were in with these Greek Olympic games is that leading up to this point, there was 10 months of intense and intentional training that they prescribed to an intense training regime for 10 months. And and this included like a strict diet. It meant that there was like no wine, there was no beer, there was no drunk, there, there was no junk food. That they, would be, that they would subject their bodies to extreme cold and extreme heat. And, and like Epictetus said that some people, for some strange reason, even ate sand. That these are people who are willing to put their physical bodies to the absolute extreme, to push it beyond what man knew was possible. You know, I think about it in the time, if I put myself there, you know, imagine you know, there were some guys and they were all lining up to compete at a marathon. You know, two guys are standing beside each other. You know, one guy, you know, you could tell he's ready. You know, he's trained, you know, he's ate, I don't know, more sand than anyone has ever eaten. He's pushed his body beyond what he knew was physically possible. You know, and he looks over at the guy beside him and he said to him, you know, what'd you train? How'd you train? What'd you do that was different? And the guy beside him looks over and him says, well, you know, I didn't really train. You know, I didn't really, didn't really have the time. You know, these last 10 months, they've been super busy. You know, I wasn't going to show up, but you know, the whole whipping thing, I wasn't super interested in getting whipped. And I heard, I heard that everybody gets a t-shirt when you win, but here's the deal. I may not have trained, but I'm going to try really, really hard. How many of you know there's a different mentality? There's a different aggression in that. And how many of you know the results of that race are going to be significantly different for those two men? Why? Because when you're an athlete, when you're a competitor, you are, you're driven. You're, you're fighting for something that matters. You've got vision for, for, for this event. You've got a vision for this race and how it's going to go. You've got a goal. You've got a dream. Maybe some of you this morning feel like you've been given a God assignment. And trying for an athlete apart from training is unthinkable. Why? Because when we run... We run to win. In fact, this is what he says again. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7. As we talk about, yes, athletes train. But in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, it says this, Train yourself to be godly. He doesn't say try to be godly. 
He doesn't say, you know, give it your best effort. No, he says, train yourself. Like how he was talking to the Corinthians, straining every bit of power, strain everything on the inside of you that you have to be godly. We're not trying. I'm not trying to be more like Christ. I'm training. I'm not trying. Can I tell you, someone here needs to hear this, that in order for us to change things, we have to stop trying and start training. So like I said at the beginning of this message, we're going to get a little bit practical, and that is, so if I want to stop trying and start training, what do I do? The question is, I understand how to train to get in better shape, but how do I train to be a better person? How do I train? What is training? What do I train? And I saw this very, very simple of what training was, and I thought that it was so good. It's so simple. It says this, training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Come on, I love that, because it's so simple, it's so clear, and yet it's so powerful. Training is doing what I can do today. Come on, ask yourself, what can I do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow? I love this definition of training because it helps me to understand that, that listen, here's the thing. Maybe you can't run a marathon today, right? Like maybe you have a goal to run a marathon and you can't even come close to running a marathon today. But here's the thing, according to this definition, training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. So maybe you can't run a marathon today, but can you walk a mile today? Listen, here's the chance. For the majority of us, we can't get out of debt by next month. But what we can do is we can bring a coffee to work rather than buying our $8.47 Starbucks, right? Chances are that you cannot be a spiritual powerhouse by noon today. But what you can do is you can open your Bible. You can read daily. You can aspire to be more like Christ every day. Why? Because training is about doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Right? This is why Paul says, he says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. But he says this in verse 27, I love this. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Like an athlete. Come on, tell the person beside you, say to them, I might not look like it, but I'm an athlete. Paul says this, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Notice here what Paul says. He says, you know, I, I, it's not that I, I discipline my body to be what I want it to be like. I'm not disciplining my body for some event that I could be something better in the future. No, he says this. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete. What's Paul saying to us? He's talking to us about an identity. 
He's saying, I'm not just trying to be better. No, he's saying, I train my body like an athlete. This is an identity thing. And this is the thing about training. Training is not just doing what I want to do. Training is answering the question, who do I want to become? Now, why is this distinction so important? It's so important because when I know who I am, I know what to do. Why? Because if everything is about what I want to do, it's easy to lose sight. But Paul is saying, this isn't just about what I want to do. This is an identity. And when I understand who I am, I know what to do. Why? Because here's the thing. When I'm trying, trying implies that I'm hoping to become something that I'm not. Right? If I'm trying to get in shape, if I'm trying to be better at something, there's this implication that I am not already that thing. But when I'm training, I'm not trying to become something that I'm not. I'm training to be better at something that I already am. Come on, nudge somebody beside you and say, I'm not trying, I'm training. I'm not trying, I'm training. Right? Training isn't some hopeful experiment. It's not some like shot in the dark. It's not something that I write on a piece of paper. Training is a deeper, devoted commitment that's driven by a deeper why. So here's the thing. In other words, right? Like here's the thing. Let me speak this over some of you out there today. Right? That, that you are not trying to have a better marriage. No, 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 no. You're not trying to be a better marriage. You are a great marriage in training, right? You're not trying to be a better parent. No, you are a godly parent that's in training. What, you're not trying to just avoid the hookups of life? No, no, I am an ambassador of Christ in training. Why does this matter? Because when my identity changes, what I do changes, how I feel changes. This is why we started this service that with God's help, I'm choosing what I want more over what I want now. Let me ask you this, who are you. Who are you? Who am I? Listen, here's the thing. We're not trying to win because we need to beat people. We're not trying to win because God blesses the winners. We're not trying to win because we have to be the absolute best perfection. Now listen, I, I'm driven to win because I wanna be more of who God has created me to be. We started today by asking the question to each of us, why do we feel like so often we try to change, but we can't? And I'd like to close with this, is that maybe you've been trying too hard. Maybe you've been trying. Maybe you've been trying in your own power 
Maybe you've been trying in your own strength, but I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a better power. <coughs> There's a better power from heaven. The power that scripture says that when we are weak, this power makes us strong. And this may sound so simple, but can I tell you something? This is an absolute game changer because when we change how we think, we are not trying to be something. We're not trying to be a better person. We're not trying, we're training. I'm just training to be better than I am today so that I could be better tomorrow. This means that we need to shut out all the voices in our life that try to come in and tell us who we are not. I need to shut those voices down that try to tell me that I'm not something, trying to be something and reminded that I am the righteousness of Christ, that I am an overcomer, that I am a conqueror, that I am blessed. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed coming out, I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. In fact, I'm so bold to say that I succeed at everything that I do, that I'm anointed, that I'm called, that I'm strong, that I'm chosen, that I've been put on this earth to do something amazing. I'm not trying. No, I'm training. And see, this changes the definition of success in our lives. So many people are driven by reaching this future goal that's out there. Instead, now my definition of success is, did I train today? Did I do what I can do today to enable me to do more tomorrow? Let me tell you something, church. God has anointed us. Whether you feel like you're called to ministry or business or parenting, whether you're looking to have a better marriage, whether you're looking to be a better parent, God has anointed us. He's called us. We are destined. We've been created to win. So my challenge is, is stop trying. Stop trying to be better. Stop trying in your own strength. Instead, with God's help, let's start training. Heavenly Father, this morning, we, we ask for your presence in our lives. As we sit and reflect on this message, as we sit and reflect on this often overlooked yet very simple truth, that we are not trying. You said that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that we are a new creation, a new creature. That we've been anointed, we've been called, we've been chosen. You said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living and active on the inside of us. Father, where we have seen ourselves through the wrong identity, trying to be this or trying to be that. Lord, let us look at ourselves like an athlete, like we already are the thing we're trying to be. Just every day we're training, we're doing what we can do today so we can do even more tomorrow. Grace us to love today. 
Grace us to be patient today, to be disciplined today. Because we know when we approach life this way, we'll never be the same. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.